Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. For the next eight weeks, the Rewatchables will be covering eight films that are incredibly rewatchable despite having one major flaw. So far, we've covered the movie Higher Learning, and this Wednesday, Bill Simmons, Chris Ryan, and Ryan Russillo are talking about the 1985 wrestling classic Vision Quest. So make sure and check out the flawed Rewatchables on the Rewatchables feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Ben Affleck, very much back, Amanda. Ben Affleck is is truly back. Um, you will have to do another podcast with Ben Affleck because we're going to discuss his new rumored relationship. Also back, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry in the UK. One Harry, last time. One last time, to quote Hamilton. Uh, Katy Perry pregnant, Grey's Anatomy infuriating, and A-Rod and J-Lo getting in on the celebrity parent TikTok fun, which we'll also discuss. But let's start with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was spotted in Cuba? Yes. With his co-star and rumored new flame, Ana de Armas. Probably everyone's, like, favorite it actress right now. Yes. Can can you contextualize her popularity and rise? Because I feel like this is—she's she's crossed over from, like, movie person person to celebrity person person. Yes, it happened pretty quickly. So Ana de Armas was the star, or one of the stars, but kind of the central character of Knives Out which was the Ryan Johnson uh, murder mystery from 2019 that I really recommend if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And then she will also be one of the Bond girls or a female figure in a Bond movie in No Time to Die. Which Amazing. Which was recently delayed to November, but is coming out this year. She is also this year going to be starring in Blonde, which is an adaptation of the Joyce Carol Oates novel about Marilyn Monroe. Sure. And Anna Darmus will be Great. playing Marilyn Monroe. That movie is directed by Andrew Dominic, and it's supposed to be a big deal. And then she is also going to be in Deep Water, which is the movie that she was filming with Ben Affleck, who, and I'm very excited about this movie because it's directed by Adrian Lyne, who you probably know as the director of Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal, and Unfaithful. Amazing. And my understanding... Great, great stuff. My understanding is that the premise of this movie is that... Uh, ben Affleck and Ana de Armas play a, a married couple who have an open relationship. Though maybe Ben Affleck is in an open marriage with someone else, and then Ana de Armas is the person that he has the outside relationship yeah. with. I'm not really sure. Anyway, so she's in a ton of movies, has become very famous very quickly. It's kind of one of those things where it seems like all of the movies were orchestrated at the same time to like make Ana de Armas a star. She's like on the cover of Vanity Fair right now, which I think was tied to No Time to Die. Right, right, right. Um, Bad beat. It happens. Also happened to GQ. Daniel Craig's on the cover of GQ. I have to say the photographs are astonishing. Monthly magazines, you know, it's hard. You got to plan ahead. It is really hard. But on the other on the other hand, what they can do with Daniel Craig, who is 52 <laughs> years old, is it's really quite something. Anyway, Ana Darmus and Ben Affleck were filming a movie and then they've been spotted in Cuba and now in Costa Rica. They were at the Costa Rica airport, apparently. And I have heard from a lot of people about this. I thought it was very sweet. Last night, I, as soon as I saw the news, texted you. And unbeknownst to me, you had pretty much simultaneously put the same news in our Jam <laughs> yeah. Session Slack channel. Yeah. So it, you and I were just like, we need to talk about this right now. Heard for some other friends. You know what? If Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas are happy and healthy and in a consensual relationship, then that's great. That's great. I'm thrilled. This is You are. Uh, this is great. 
Anna de Armas seems wonderful. She's yes. a good actress, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She's really beautiful, which I think is one of the reasons many people know who she is all of a sudden. Yes. And also, it's just like, she's also just like, not just famous now for dating Ben Affleck. Like, she's already famous, whereas many of the people Ben Affleck has been spotted with in the last few years since his breakup with Jennifer Garner have just been like, you know, people who weren't already famous. And, or, that's not true, because I guess Lindsay Shukas was kind of famous, but I just feel like this is a great, a great coupling. I don't want to say it's a great pick, because they both have agency in this relationship, hopefully, but I just feel like this is a good trajectory for my guy, Ben Affleck. How are we feeling about co-stars dating now in 2020? I'm okay with it. You are. I'm, you know what? I guess relationships still happen at work, and as long as everyone's being responsible. Yeah. I just feel like this is such a classic Affleck move that it's just hilarious that, of course, after we have gone through several months of him, and I have to, I don't want to diminish what he has been going through and also his last two months where I think he's been very honest and I have um, honored, admired the way that he has tried to talk about his struggles and um, hold himself accountable and also kind of commit to a public education of sorts. Yeah. So I admire all of that. But now that's over and now he's dating his really hot co-star. And it happened so fast. It happened like in a week. The movie came out on Friday. No one went to see it. And then on Sunday night, he was dating his really hot co-star. I I guess Affleck back. Do you think that um, this was planted for the PR? I didn't think that until I said that. and <laughs> I didn't, It didn't even occur to me either, but it's an interesting thought. No, I don't think that at all. I, I don't think, think so either. He's so deliberate with the press right now and like being like, I'm in presenting himself as sort of like a, a man trying to rebuild. Yes. But I don't think he wanted this to get out there. It wasn't like a talking point. And also like presumably didn't start over the weekend. But who, who's to say? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I am guessing that in his strategy for 2020, which, as you noted, was pretty deliberate. And I think the subject of The Way Back, which is about uh, Ben Affleck, plays a an alcoholic high school basketball coach. Right. He had to kind of talk about some of it in order to be able to promote the movie. There was kind of no way around it. But yeah. it does seem like it's been a very thought-through strategy. And here's new Ben Affleck, and he's taken his work seriously and he's grappling with his emotional realities. And I just like don't really think that. And also he's dating his co-star. Incredible. Was a part of the planned narrative. Right. But maybe I'm wrong. Also, who knows how long it'll last. I just feel like you don't go to Cuba for the photo shoot unless you're the Kardashians and you're going to like all the Ernest Hemingway and other spots as I did a few years ago. Yes, the Kardashians, known Hemingway fans. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, I wish them the best in the purest way possible. I'm just, I'm excited about it. Also, like, I'm excited that Ana de Armas is like a rising celebrity. I feel like she's a good one. We haven't, I feel like she's also unique. My my main familiarity with her is through um, Knives Out, in which they tried to, like, make her look frumpy. Mm-hmm. And she's so beautiful that it didn't work. Yeah. No, she's incredibly beautiful. I think it's really interesting how quickly this became confirmed by basically everyone. It's very rare that you see a source in People magazine being like, they are, quote, definitely dating. Yeah, I know. And everyone just went for it. I know. And— it's surprising that unnamed sources and people are still like, getting as much traction as they are. Yeah. Well, we will continue to monitor this story. Ben I, Affleck? I wish everyone well. Me too. He's okay. got a lot in motion right now. I feel like he's also been photographed doing so many different things. Like, he also was recently photographed wearing the blonde wig 
in the mo- last duel. Yeah, that was a tough. I mean, that was for work. Yes, it was. That was but on I, set. I just feel like he's doing a lot right now. He's, it's true. I do also feel like he. I have seen him paparazzi photos of him picking up his kids. Yeah, like in the last week. Yeah, I think he's got a great dad style right now. Me just too. FYI, he's really he's figured that, that out. But it is true that he went from that to being in Cuba in the center of this relationship extremely quickly. He really did. I just also, like, The Way Back came out last Friday. Yes. And we were just a part of this, like, very uh, serious and fraught Ben Affleck narrative on Friday. Yeah. And now it's Monday and he's dating on a Darmus. That's 2020, I guess. (laughs) Life moves fast. Life moves real fast. Moving on to our next topic, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry doing their goodbye tour mm-hmm. in the UK the last few days. I believe it ended today, Monday, with their the Commonwealth um, service. Mm-hmm. Meghan Markle looked fantastic for all of her events. What is your favorite look that she's trotted out in the past five days? I think my favorite is the Victoria Beckham, the Me blue too. dress, which was the first one. We don't one. usually agree on this. How shocking. Well, I just think this, it fits her. It, it really fits. fits her. And I, it's a beautiful color, obviously. And she has figured out that just like bright, monochromatic, tailored is what she's going to do. Yeah. And I think it works very well from her. But I thought that this was the most flattering cut. I thought they looked very happy. I think she really does look beautiful. It does also, the clothes that she wore on this trip are like 20% less buttoned up. Yeah. Which, I, you know, and she always looks slightly uncomfortable trying to do the full uh, British strict demure. Not that these aren't demure. I think they are. But there, there's a little more freedom in what she's doing now. And I think... and. You can tell. There's, I thought, two two really clear, stark changes in her appearance the last couple of days. One, she, I definitely agree. She's kind of like a little bit more of her California style, less of the oh, very structured, very mm-hmm. um, kind of a classic British royal family look. Um, and then her makeup is so different. And yes. the funny thing is, I think she was doing softer makeup for the last couple of years while they've been living in the UK and she's embraced being a royal, which meant more minimal, minimal makeup in a weird way. She's gotten way heavier with the eye makeup and it looks amazing. It and does. it's funny that for her, an actress, maybe it's not surprising, the kind of more vamped up makeup, she's wearing brighter lipstick and more eye makeup has kind of I just think she looks way more comfortable, and and maybe that's just a look of happiness. They look way happier in these pictures, and I saw some comparing them. I saw some pictures of of the former Fab Four, Will, Kate, Harry, and Meghan from like two years ago, side by sides, and the body language is so poor. It really the writing was so was so on the wall, and they just seem way happier. And although I think Harry seems somber about giving up the military titles and everything, um, but they just seem like they're doing great. Yes, I agree. You can really tell. We should talk about the body language of the church performance, or not the church performance necessarily, though it was an interesting performance, the church service. And I think Harry's body language in particular has been slightly more awkward. It's just, I mean, he might as well not be there because she really just does look, it's full star quality from her. She looks amazing. Even when she's wearing, even when she did the Women's Day um, appearance where she's wearing that, like that white tweed blazer over the white top and black pants. Like, she just looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great job, Jessica Mulroney. Yeah, and I do think my least favorite, even though it gave that one incredible shot of from the side of Meghan walking into Westminster Abbey, and Harry is, like, fumbling with his coat, and she's just catching the cameras 
to the left of her mm-hmm. and the cape is like flowing just so and the hat is just so and I, I mean it's that's like a, an instant iconic photograph but beyond that that dress was my least favorite of the three because it is still a little bit of the almost suiting material yeah. it is like and it was clearly that she thought this is the one that I'm wearing to the church service so it needs to be the most like quote traditional and the most like covered up yeah. I think and that's just not natural for her I think totally I think or it's not it's not even that it's not natural but it, she has a different personal style and you could always sense that discomfort in how she was dressing and even her presentation of that she has a different vibe yeah and the most controversial picture was the one that she released um, on Friday where she also went to visit one of her charities. It's like a, um, an arts charity, a performing arts, basically. And she's wearing this white kind of poofy blouse from Topshop uh, paired with like a pencil skirt. And it's an all-white outfit. And that was controversial because she released it the same day that like, Camilla was doing an appearance. Mm-hmm. And, Cam- and then there was like all of these tabloid stories. Camilla is so mad that she did that. And it was so funny because it, like, it was like her softest look and the one that became like the target of ire. But it's just, I just, the the anti-Megan tabloids this week are just on overdrive, I think, to account for the fact that she looks so great. <laughs> so they have to tear her down. And it's just like, of course they wanted to get out of there. I don't know. Yeah, I think they just also, she's coming back and they do seem to be so happy and things are moving on. And like the British tabloids have lost this round. Yeah. And because people still are really interested in them and they have not been able to sell this narrative. So they're kind of doubling down on their extremely uh, unfavorable narrative because it's the only option. But Megan and Harry won or Megan won. Harry looks very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's kind of sad. But I just think he's also not as comfortable in the spotlight, which is not to say I think that she knows how to handle attention maybe a little more than he does, even though he has grown up in it. Right. Well, she wants it in a way that I think is Or he has—he, for most of his life, has had a more adversarial relationship to it, and she has possibly had a bit more control in seeking it out, at least until recently. Now she has no control, and people have been terrible, and that is part of the reason that they left. And even if you're on the—even if this is, like, of your own making, to feel on the outside of your family so acutely must be very uncomfortable. Yes. And sad. Which was my read on the church ceremony. Right. That they just were all very aware of the cameras, and were all like, well, this is awkward. And they weren't allowed to be a part of the procession. They had to just, like, wait for the family inside. Yes. And so I think that was awkward, too. She was wearing a green cape for this, which I did not like. I liked that one shot. She got the dramatic moment that she was looking for. We can post a link to it. Yeah. But it's it worked, and I did like the drama of the hat. I thought it needed to be arranged just so, or else it just, like, looked like a lot of fabric, especially when you're sitting down. Yeah. You had to catch it at the right angle. Otherwise, it just didn't work out. Yeah. It's a little busy. Yeah. It's kind of like you get to pick one fancy thing, whether it's the cape or the over-the-top hat, and she's it's, like, doing a lot. Yeah. But- a little Megan doing the most, but whatever. Um, I just want to note, as I'm revisiting these pictures on the Daily Mail, new headline from from them. Ben Affleck looks smitten with his Deepwater co-star Ana de Armas at airport in Costa Rica dot, 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 after the two were cuddly in Cuba. Yeah. So, yeah. Great vacation for them. Congratulations Good, good to stuff. Them. I, I'm really into it. I think it also her, her style in this photo. She is wearing a um, black floral jumpsuit that and also white sneakers that I just feel like, Amanda, you need to get this outfit. Mm-hmm. I, it, Very much up your I alley. I also really enjoy the giant straw hat that she is holding. Yeah. She's doing vacation the way that you would as well. Yes, it's very true. Were you also dating Ben Affleck? Just green stuff, Ben Affleck. 
All right. On to the next topic. Pregnancy. Katy Perry. Five or six months pregnant. Congratulations to her and to Orlando Bloom. That's great news. We're, you know, pro-baby and pro I was making... worried about them, so this is great news. Yes, it is great news. I think it also explains their um, pro- uh, postponing the wedding. Yes, though apparently there are rumors that they are now going to have to postpone Cancel. it again because it was planned for Japan, and obviously Japan is one of many nations dealing with a viral outbreak situation. Can I talk to you about the way that Katy Perry announced this news? Absolutely. So she did it in a song. Yes. In, in, a, in, a, music in a music video. video. She did it in a music video. But I really want to talk about the song. Did you listen to this song? Did you watch the music video? You know, I haven't. I'm embarrassed to say so because I'm obviously such a proponent of all this type of media. But I've just been listening to Gaslighter by the Dixie Chicks on repeat. So okay. I haven't had time. That's fine. I checked it out. It's called Never Worn White. Mm. And it's like it's a ballad about being afraid to get married but then wanting to do it right. Mm. I mean, didn't, I, didn't she get married to Russell Brand? Yeah. So she has, in fact, that's a great point that I had forgotten about. But I'm just like, they did get married and divorced, didn't they? Yes, they did. But I just am wondering about both for Katy Perry, particularly at her point in this career, but really for anyone who really needs a ballad from Katy Perry about the anxiety of saying I do. And it's like, it's not like there is a upbeat moment in this. It's just like a really slow, kind of mournful, but ultimately hopeful ballad about how it, you get nervous when you are making a commitment to someone. Here's my thing about Katy Perry's music in the last few years. Yeah. She's not paying the right people enough money. Correct. Like... Katie, what are you doing? Why haven't you moved to Sweden? Like, just get yourself a Swedish songwriter who's to, who's been under the tutelage of Max Martin. I, I very, I'm distraught about this. Her music is is not good. Obviously, many of her hits are now very fraught because they were written by Dr. Luke, and he is problematic to say the least. And as a result, she has not had good music since the breakup, which is a smart breakup, but. I'm sorry. Like, she needs to be working with better songwriters. <laughs> I agree. This one is baffling to me. I don't know when anyone would listen to this. Like, theoretically, it's a love song, but you don't want to listen to a love song about, like, the anxiety of getting married after you're married. Katy Perry's music about herself is bad. The songs that she wrote on the Prism album that were about, like, her about her, herself, mm -hmm. many of what she wrote with John Mayer, are bad. Like, the thoughts that she wants to share about herself and her music are not well conveyed. <laughs> I feel bad because I really like Katy Perry. I just also, when are you turning on ballads? Well, I, I know that you sorry. are, but but are you, what are you trying to explore emotionally when you're turning on a ballad? Me? Yes. Um, I am trying to explore, I'm trying to allow other people to do the emotional work for me that I don't want to do myself. Okay. It's like a cop-out. It's like I'm feeling a certain way. Let me find a song that matches it so I don't have to, like, okay. really process it myself and just instead can, like, bathe in someone like you. I think that that makes sense. But if you apply that to this song, this song just has, like, an incredibly narrow audience and shelf life. It's, like, a small group of people when's for a specific amount of time. When's the last time Katy Perry made a decision with her public persona that you were, like, smart, good idea? I guess when she decided to accept a ton of money to be a host on American Idol. 
Yeah, and that wasn't really about her own creative output. That was no. like a strategic move. Sure. But like, I think it's a testament to the success of the Teenage Dream album, which is an incredible pop album. It's wonderful. Teenage Dream is an absolute banger. I think the Katy Perry we know is a testament to the absolute power of those songs because she has not done much great since. Roar is good, but I think Max Martin wrote that. You know? I, I agree with you. I think also— I, like, Katy Perry needs an inter- a career intervention. I wish I, I wish I was allowed to do it. Remember when Prism, where she just did that live stream for like 100 hours? Yes, she did like a weird like that YouTube was, Big Brother that thing. That was really fascinating. Yeah. That she decided to do that and thought that was a good idea, and she was just having therapy sessions online, and none of it has stayed in the popular consciousness. Yeah. That song was written by Max Martin, Dr. Okay. Luke, and Bonnie McKee. I just want to say, also, Bonnie McKee is another person who sort of was from her earlier time, which I assume a lot of her career has gotten tied up in the Dr. Luke mess. But yes. Um, yeah, Katy Perry made a lot of weird choices. I think that also probably the way that she came onto the scene so quickly and just like, from I Kissed a Girl through the teen, like the end of the teenage dream cycle, mm-hmm. probably was really intense and made made things difficult, like in her life. And then you're like, I want to explore. I'm gonna do this YouTube 100 hour live stream and like pretend I'm like I'm Big Brother or something. I actually like the idea of trying the 100 hour live stream. Yeah, it's I just agree. the execution is so often not there. It was both before and after its time. It was like an ill timed live stream. You yeah. know, if it had been like two years earlier, it would have been like really smart and innovative. And if it had been like three years later, there would have been like better distribution for it. Yes. I do think also timing wise, Katy Perry really just hit a poptimism moment with yeah. Teenage Dream that she has been trying to get back to ever since. And it doesn't really, it doesn't work. There is also Would such you say it doesn't a, really matter in the words yeah, of Katie Perry? Exactly. <laughs> and there is, and not just because her most popular and greatest song is called Teenage Dream, but there is a kind of juvenile quality to her persona. Yes. That Unicorns. Yeah, it's Rainbows. hard to maintain over time as you age which is nothing against aging. It's just a little bit harder to buy it. At, even this is so, like, Technicolor. Is she doing the Beyonce flower thing for half of this? Is that what the flower crown and— I guess so. She reference was, to the Beyonce yeah, photograph? When, when she was pregnant with her twins. Yeah. I don't know. Which is—that's just weird to me to be so directly stealing from Beyonce. It's an absence of imagination, but, like, a desire to to be theatrical. Yeah. It's not a good, it's not a good match. It's really a testament to how much people want to like Katy Perry and love her music, her old music, in my opinion. But, like, Teenage Dream is, like, approaching a decade old. Yes. It's kind of insane. Teenage Dream was really popular during season one or two of Glee because um, they covered the—, the I do Warblers remember that. Darren it. Chris, yeah. Yes, Darren Chris covered it, and then he shot to fame. And that's a really long time ago. Glee is from, like, a different world. Mm-hmm. That, like, it's really—when I saw Mulan and on Broadway, I was like, this reminds me of Glee, and, like, that's just, like, a— it's transportive. It's a feeling of, to yeah. your point, of, of optimism, like 2009, 10, during the first Obama administration. But it is really interesting because Lady Gaga, in a lot of ways, is going back to fame monster era. And I'm just wondering if all of these pop stars are just waiting it out and hoping the culture comes back around. I'm waiting it out. Because we're on a decade now. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a really weird time, you yeah. know? I will say Teenage Dream, the album. Teenage Dream, the album came out on August 24th, 2010. So, wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So Teenage Dream, the song, I believe, came out a little before that. Okay. Ten years. July 23rd, 2010. Crazy. Just crazy. Katy Perry, we hope you make things better soon. 
but also congratulations. Yes, but, I'll, I but she you know, seems happy. But all of that has nothing to do with the fact that, that they seem happy and having a baby when you want to have a baby is a joyous thing. So congratulations to them. Yeah, congrats to them. Alrighty, next topic. Um, Grey's Anatomy, my one of my faves. Yeah, so I put this on the rundown. Yeah, because one of the my highlights of 2020 was checking my phone at like 10:30 last Thursday night, and on multiple social media platforms, you were very angry. Yeah, and you were very angry about Grey's Anatomy, and you had gone so far as to search. Grays and Shonda Rhimes yeah. on Twitter, and we're just retweeting <laughs> a lot of uh, strangers. Strangers, yeah. And it was like it was kind of too late for me to text you and be like, <laughs> "What's going on?" Because I don't know. I try to respect, Thank you, you know, phone call hours for text messages as well. You were very angry, and it was about how a character was handled. Yes. And I was hoping that you could explain to me and the sure. Jam Session community what happened. Major spoilers. However, if you're still watching Grey's, you've already seen it. If you stop watching Grey's, it's your own fault. Um, so Grey's Anatomy is in its 16th season. Um, there were four original cast members remaining. Dr. Meredith Grey, Ellen Pompeo, Dr. Miranda Bailey, Chandra Wilson, Dr. Richard Weber, played by James Pickens Jr. And of course, Dr. Alice Grev, played by Justin Chambers, who until Grey's Anatomy was famous to me as being Mossimo in The Wedding Planner, a wonderful movie. Check it out if you haven't. It's a terrible movie, but <laughs> great, keep great going. <laughs> One of the last great movies about San Francisco. Um, Alex and Meredith, as the last people from their intern class, have like become each other's person or whatever. So they've been best friends for a while since Christina left. But not romantically. No, never romantic between okay. them. Okay. I think they toyed with it like three or four years ago to see to test the waters and they never went there. But Alex is married on the show. He's married to Joe Wilson, who was an intern. And Alex has just like started as like this asshole that all the other interns hated. And then Izzy kind of softened him. But like over the years, Alex has become like the real moral center, like gruff on the outside, really sweet on the inside, pediatric surgeon, does all the right things. Like he still has a temper. But you know, he's like the... He's like the bad boy who got tamed by love. Sure. And moreover, he's Meredith's best, best friend. And, like, you know, since Derek died, he's been a central figure in her kids' lives, allegedly. And and moreover to all of this, he is one of the four remaining original characters from 16 years ago, the year 2005. Okay. Like, 16 seasons So ago. half your life. Yeah. He's been a character yeah. on Grace. Al- yeah. Alex has been in my life since I'm 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't stress enough how much these characters, like, really are, are like, a through line of thinking about my own fucking life. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of people who feel that way because the show is really popular for women our age who started watching it, you know, when they were in college or in high school or right after. And it's just, like, it's such a huge part of, like, a pop culture life. And, like, I know I sound insane when I talk about this, but I really, I think it's, like, a, it's significant. And so Derek died... And that was one of the like most horrible things to happen on television, in my opinion. I was so upset. Right. Um, should we share your philosophy for those who may not be super familiar yes. or have forgotten it? Go yes. Ahead. So many people have been written off Grey's Anatomy in various ways because they have gotten they've done something bad, like in real life, like mm-hmm. the actor, like um, Dr. Burke, who was played by Isaiah Washington, used like homophobic slur on set, and he was written off, deserved it, and then. 
from there, there's been a lot of other incidents where people have gotten written off. And because of the early days of Grey's and people knowing that story, that, like, when you fuck up, Shonda will write you off the show, it's kind of become lore. Like, if you cross Shonda, you get kicked off the show. And so, first of all, Shonda Rhimes does not write the show anymore. She's still the executive producer, but she's not involved day to day. I've heard it rumored she works on the the. Uh, premiere and the finale and kind of leaves the rest to other people who work for her and understand the show. So I, I will say, like, some of this is kind of a joke of, like, people tweeting at Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. But I, I presume she knows what's up. And she's not like, yeah, cool, just throw Alex away. No big deal. I have no problem with that. But so there's kind of this lure around the show that if you crush on, you got written, you got written off. Mm-hmm. Whether that's true or not. And I do think it dates back to people knowing what happened with Burke. And then with McDreamy, it also was rumored that he was like, they were like fighting about money or he was just an asshole. And since that, a lot has come out about like how perhaps he was a toxic presence on the set. Never, never been confirmed. And I would, I would die for a definitive history of Grey's Anatomy. It'd be like amazing. And so when that happened, I was just like, if we got a problem with Patrick Dempsey, let's fucking recast McDreamy. I don't, I, we've now had to wade through like six seasons of Meredith dating and it sucked. It's been boring. No one believes it. Meredith and McDreamy were so core to this show that to just to get rid of him fucked everything up. I really believe that. Fucked everything up. I'm still so mad about it. Whatever. Anyway, about five or six seasons later, it comes out in January that Alex Karev's final episode has already aired back in November. Because the show was like on like mid-season hiatus. Everyone's like, what the fuck? How could Al- Alex was like on the show and now you're saying he's gone? Like there's all these news stories with Justin Chambers being like, I've moved on. I'm 50. I'm ready to try new things. It's been a great run. Blah. And Ellen Pompeo had like a, a tweet that was like, how fucking right he's great or something like that. So finally, then it comes out, there will be a farewell to Alex Kareff. Last week's episode was the farewell to Alex Kareff. What I am about to describe to you is the biggest fuck you I can possibly imagine as the fan of anything. And an even bigger fuck you to Justin Chambers, who I don't know a lot about, honestly, and don't really want to, who was on the show for 16, 15 and a half seasons. And I don't know if he deserved this treatment or not, but it's just the biggest fuck you I can think of because it was the shittiest episode of Grey's Anatomy of all time, hands down. Okay. <laughs> what happened? Here's, here's what happened. Alex has just disappeared from the show. He's just gone. And like his wife, Joe, is like wondering where's Alex. Like, and then at the end of last week, she like has a breakdown and she's like, he left me. And she was abandoned as a child. So she's got a whole abandonment issue. Sure. The show begin- episode begins with Meredith, Bailey, and Joe, his wife, receiving letters in the mail from Alex. And then each character gets like anywhere from like 10 to 15 minutes of real time, not of not including commercials, of that character like walking around some space as Justin Chambers' voiceover is reading this letter. And you find out in like the first 10 minutes that he has moved from Seattle and he's now living in Kansas on a farm with Izzy Stevens, who was previously played by Katherine Heigl, and their twins, which Izzy had five years ago. And yes, Izzy's been off the show for longer than five years. What happened was Izzy had cancer on the show and she was married to Alex at the time. And so they did um, an egg retrieval and he, and they like created embryo and he's, and inseminated them and like Mm -hmm. had frozen embryos of Mm -hmm. their children. And she decided, according to the show, without telling Alex to get pregnant with two of those embryos and now they have twins. And so Alex has two kids and he's living with Izzy on a farm in Kansas. And he just like leaves his wife and this is what he's doing now. And then that's such an absurd storyline. And then 
as he's reading these letters, Meredith is like walking around her house. Bailey is like walking around her living room. Joe is in the hospital. And you just see like these sh- these like budget, 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 tree of life outtakes of like two kids running in a field in Kansas who are supposed to be the kids of Alex and Izzy. And then two adults lying in a the, in a bed. You never see their face. It doesn't go above their chest. And the kids like climbing into bed. And they show the same shots over and over as these letters are being read aloud. And it's a fucking waste of time. It's such a shitty piece of television. I cannot get over it. So Justin Chambers is not physically on the no. episode just his voice he probably like they probably like, shipped him a task game like they're like hey read these aloud from your living room send us back the audio I mean it's like fucking insane Catherine Heigl's not on the episode no Catherine Heigl okay and and then there's a ton of flashbacks to like seasons one through five of the show you even see Derek in one shot it's such an insult to injury it's like pouring salt in the wound it's like we get it both these characters are fucking dead and so just to summarize oh, sorry, Alex is not dead <laughs> to summarize your complaints yeah <laughs> Number one, it, you didn't feel that the plot twist was in keeping with the character. Correct. Alex, the Alex Karev we know would never do that. Okay. Number two, you felt that even within the universe of Grey's Anatomy, it strains credulity. Yes, absolutely. Okay? And number three, you felt that it was sh- poorly made as a television yes, show. Yes, at least Derek's episode, which, by the way, also had a lot of voiceover because when you're, when you're, acts you're like put in quarantine you're like not allowed to interact with anyone so you have to be like silent lying dead like Derek Shepard or doing a voiceover like Alex and Derek Mm -hmm. and it was such a bad episode of television I was like embarrassed for the other actors who had to be in it Mm because I'm just like oh you have to participate in this that's shitty has anyone commented on what on has like Shonda commented has Justin Chambers commented Ellen Pompeo put up an Instagram the next day being like very sweet about Alex and it took a montage from the episode but it was just basically a clip show they just they phoned it in it was a clip show mm-hmm. with voiceover from Alex okay and they probably had to pay like an extra few thousand dollars to each of these actors for like, I bet because they had to like do reshoots for this stupid fucking episode there's no way this was like what they intended when they wrote season 16 of the show literally no way none. okay none Absolutely none. It's so bad, Amanda. It's crazy. And I would defend Grey's to the end. I will defend it to the absolute end. It's a part of my life. I love it. And I'm furious. What would you prefer that they have done? By the way, are you sorry you asked about this? No, it's incredible. I'm just like, this is going into your podcast hall of fame. You did five minutes there where I didn't speak. And that's that's great. I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. It was really good. It was, you were shining. You were alive. And that's, we come to work every day to experience that. So I'm not sorry. I am just trying to get to the bottom of this. So what would you, what you, Juliette Levin, are now running Grays? I'm now running Grays. And I, and and I have, have to get rid of Justin Chambers. I have to get rid, get rid of Justin Chambers. Yeah. I don't know that I would recast Alex Graff. Okay. There wasn't a lot of places for Alex Graff to go. One thing that's nice is other characters have left the show. Dr. Callie Torres, Dr. Arizona Robbins, and they've just moved. And so the door is always open for them to come back. And it was very sweet, very good goodbye. Christina, she also moved. It's mm-hmm. it's where fun. did she move? Um, Switzerland. Oh, good for her. She's with Burke, actually. Okay. Uh, but oh, notably, Burke was in that fucking episode. Mm. He came back. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think he was in that episode. I'll have to check that. Anyway, Christina moved to Switzerland. Unless that was also a flashback, but I really think he was in it. Um, they all moved so they could come back. So I guess like Alex could come back as well. To put him with Izzy is such a major like 
neither of you are ever allowed on the show again. Like, I don't want the show to end because I don't want to have to deal with a bad finale. Now it's apparent that the serious finale of the show will be really shitty because mm-hmm. of they will not allow back many of these characters. And I, what would I have done? That's a great question. If I had to get rid of Justin Chambers, I probably would have um, just had something that didn't involve Izzy. Bringing back Izzy and undoing all of the work of his relationship with Joe is just so, so bad. And then also, like, his final episode was him getting Meredith her job back, essentially, or, like, one of his final episodes. And he references that in these letters because it's, like, whatever. It's deep in the weeds of Grey's Anatomy. But he ends on an act of kindness. So then to have him just do this, like, insane abandonment of his wife, who he clearly loves a lot, just doesn't make any sense. So I probably would have had him, like, be fired or... Um, on some kind of, like, mission where he was, like, searching or something like that. People just, like, go off on, on like, walkabouts on this show all the time. Like, mm-hmm. he could have done that. The, just the, the, the bringing back of the kids where Izzy, like, used their frozen embryos mm-hmm. many years after the fact and then didn't tell him for five years is so crazy that, like, I don't know why. It would just have been different if he had, like, bumped into Izzy. Even if, they, if they're, like, he's going to be with Izzy. Making up a different story to get them together would, okay. would have been a lot better. Like, okay. oh, we ran into each other at the mall, or like, oh, we were both we both were like doing like doctor training, and she was there, or something like that. We ran like into that. each other at the mall next week on Grace Anatomy. Just like, I just, I just can't. I just okay. absolutely can't. It, it's so infuriating. How many more seasons of Grey's Anatomy will there be? I believe Alan Pompeo is is one more season after this. Okay. So I presume next season will be the end. What happens to Meredith Grey at the end of Grey's Anatomy? She sells the hospital and she moves, is my guess. She owns the hospital now? She, <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell happened? It's called Grace Sloan Memorial Hospital. Okay. Did you know that? I guess so. It's it's Gray for Lexi Gray and Sloan for Mark Sloan. Oh, and it was her parents? Um, No. It was her mom? Uh, she did. So basically— I watched this show for at least three seasons. I can't quite remember, but eventually, like, after the plane crash— the owners of the hospital or something like that became the principals, Derek, Meredith, Christina, et cetera, or Jackson, who's played by very hot Jesse Williams. So I think she just taps out or something. Like okay. That. Hopefully she doesn't get Alzheimer's. I, she, they wouldn't do Meredith like that. I don't know. I mean, it's just, I'm just so mad. Thanks for asking. I'm, You're very I'm, welcome. I'm really sorry. I feel like I know both a lot more and still nothing about what's happening in Grey's Anatomy. But just, just think of your favorite show. And think about the worst way to end it after 16 seasons. I mean, it's not even over, but, like, I feel effectively they've lost a lot of credibility with me. That's a shame. It'll be hard for me to defend this show to strangers when I'm like, yes, and I still watch Grey's Anatomy, which I bring up a lot because I love. Yes. And and feel it's, like, an important data point. It's a a testament to both loyalty and um, how much I love a doctor procedural. And (laughs) it'll be hard for me to defend it. It's a shame. I'm really sorry. I feel like I just blacked out. I'm like Will Smith no, in old okay. school. It's it's just for 15 years they were doing great, and it's yes. really it's a bummer to have 15 years of TV greatness and just screw it up on the 16th. I know. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, viral videos this week. No pun intended. A Rod and J Lo and Kate McKinnon and Elizabeth Warren really brought the um, flip the switch challenge to the fore for us olds. I didn't know about it until this weekend. <laughs> and now I know a lot about it. Amanda, do you know about the celebrity? Or sorry, do you know about the flip the switch challenge? I did because I think I finally started watching TikTok like a week ago. Old old woman has logged on, kids. Great stuff. And I don't really know why. Actually, I do know because I think that we are now in the the part of the you know, social media, whatever, where TikTok videos get uploaded to Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I was seeing them a lot on Instagram. And then I was like, oh, I should just actually go to the source and see what's up. How do you 
do you like I've never I've never explored TikTok. It's it's an absolute it's an absolute no go for me. I would only be on TikTok for the rest of my life, so I, I can't check it out. Well, I think you would really like it. I can't. I okay, just I can't. Right. As you know, I just like you I'm do, addicted to like cute videos. You cute do dance like videos. videos. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I have to watch the compilations on YouTube. I, I can't do it. Okay. Anyway, I I don't do it in a very sophisticated way. For the most part, I'm just flicking through the for you. <laughs> and I am also looking for famous people, which is not the value proposition of TikTok and not how you're supposed to be using it. Like what is I think actually very cool about TikTok is it is about young children and not famous people doing something creative and wanting to be a part of something. And they're like, sure, I will just set up my little phone now and learn a video and put it online for the whole world to see, which I just can't imagine ever having done that at 10 years old. And yeah. I think it's adorable and kind of life affirming that sure. all these kids want to do this. I, I really like this one video last weekend of the Le- of LeBron James and his family, all five of them. Yes. That was so, really cute. So that, but anyway, that's how I'm getting to TikTok because all of these famous people are doing it and then posting their TikTok. TikToks also to Instagram. Right. So LeBron is on a lot of TikToks because I believe Bronny is really into it. Yes, he is. And there are the number one person who's on it a lot is Jessica Alba. (laughs) And so I'm really interested in this because famous parents like LeBron do show up in their kids' videos. And I think now if you're famous, you have to have a TikTok channel along with everything else because you got to diversify your brand or whatever. But they, the standard celebrity parent thing is to let your kid be the driving engine of the TikTok and you're there. Okay. And, or, you know, maybe, you know, Sterling K. Brown has one and does it a lot with the This Is Us cast. Oh, he does? Yeah. And and those are cute. Love SKB. But it's... Who doesn't, right? But I do too. But there aren't that many celebrity adults who are like, now I'm all about TikTok myself. This is my TikTok page and my brand. Except for Jessica Alba who clearly started this as a way to, her daughter got her into it. And yeah. if you go back to the beginning, it's things with her daughter and it's very cute. And then Jessica Alba's like, no, no, this is my moment to shine. And so it's just Jessica Alba doing like TikTok challenges with anyone she can find. That's so funny. I find it hilarious. Incredible. I, and I, and it's still to me is like, no, 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 no. This is still for kids. And you have to have, it's like going to see Pixar or movies or something. You need to have a child with you in order for it to be okay with me somehow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's really the You have to be kid adjacent. Yeah. And even the A-Rod and J-Lo video, which is like why we started talking about this, definitely seems like they were, are impressing their kids by doing this. Right. Definitely. That's, that's my vibe. That's kind of A-Rod's whole social media vibe. It actually works for him. Was that actually J- J-Lo's dress, do you think? I did wonder about that. It was... I, it it was, is snugger on him. Oh, my God. Also, like, seeing his dick so clearly, yeah. just, <laughs> just very distracting. <laughs> I just was like, okay. I think it's funny. I think that this is the right way to use it when you're making fun of yourself right. or, like, trying to impress your kids or you have, like, parent energy. Sure. I don't think... 35 or 40 or 45 year olds can be earnestly using TikTok on their own to promote themselves. That's where I am. That's where I am. It sounds like an adult going to a playground by itself. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, no, this is this is for the youth and that's great. And they have their space and we can support them. And I think it's very cute when you're all in the background like LeBron. Yes. It's yeah. really cute. But that's you got to stay in the background as a parent on it's TikTok. Fa- it's family fair. Yeah. Or kids doing things with other kids. Yes. Fellow kids. What's that skit where it's like, hello, fellow kids? Right. I think yeah. it's a 30 Rock thing. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
I look forward to more viral videos. I, I just love the LeBron ones. The, the James family is really cool. Love that Ella says the James gang. Yes. Um, I just, the Elizabeth Warren and Kate McKinnon one was also. So good. A plus. So good. Great, great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. I didn't watch the SNL otherwise, but you know, cool. Was that the John Mulaney one? No, this that was, was Daniel Craig. Oh, right, Daniel Craig. Yeah. God, what? So many bad beats for Daniel Craig having to do all this PR for a movie that's not out yet. It's fine. He's still James Bond. That's true. So, and I just have to say, just check out the photos. He's like, he's 52 and he's doing great. I just think of him now with his Knives Out voice. Okay, well, that's not his real voice. He's still British. Still an Englishman. He's still James Bond. <laughs> um, can I just re- recommend one thing to you really yes, quickly? Please. And then we can wrap. Sorry, not on, not on the outline, but um, just reminded me of James Bond, Casino Royale, mm-hmm. Monaco, rich people, Formula One. I started watching Formula One, colon, Drive to Survive on Netflix. Okay. Per the recommendation of my friend Talia. Okay. I love it. Okay. I don't know anything about Formula One. All I knew is that Lewis Hamilton was really famous and like Kardashian friend. Right. And I knew that Monaco is like a place for rich people. They have a Monaco Grand Prix. A lot of people park their money there. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. Mm-hmm. Amanda, this is a great show. And it's it's yacht culture adjacent. It also includes a lot of shots of the English countryside because every Formula One team is based like in Surrey or Yorkshire or Derbyshire or something right. like that. And it's great. I really like it. Is, and it's also like super, like, it's real rich person fair. Like, okay. I didn't realize that Ultimate One is like the ultimate sport of of the global elite. Yes, it is. It, does it shed any light on Michael Fassbender's second career as a race car driver? No. I, I need Formula that documentary. One? Michael Fassbender is now an actor and a race car driver. And literally his Instagram oh. page just says actor and race car driver. I believe he, it was either for Ferrari or Porsche mm, where he is Ferrari. like- they're big in the space, as I can tell. Yeah. And that was just like an Instagram update and a few weird promos that he did and then no other news from him. And I've just been waiting to know more. Honestly, the show is really good. There's also like a lot of, it's like a lot of fighting. And it's just, I feel like I'm learning a lot about the global elite. But like a portion of it that's not covered by the Daily Mail. So okay. it's great. Okay. And I have a crush on one of the Formula One drivers. That's which is exciting. probably the point of the show. But okay. it's Daniel Ricardo. in case you're wondering. He's Australian, but lives in Monaco for the tax benefits. <laughs> It's really good. It just also seems like if you take up residence in Monaco, like your just life is a shell game of like how many days do I actually have to spend here? And then at one point, Daniel Ricardo jumps into the Mediterranean Sea while wearing sneakers. And I was like, I guess you're that rich. If you're living in Monaco, you can be like, well, I'll just ruin a pair of perfectly good sneakers by jumping into the sea with them still on my feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's it. That's my recommendation for I'll you. check it out. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Jam Session. I'm really sorry to have put all of you through this. Um, we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> 